Hello, hello. Welcome to the First Gen Realness Podcast. I'm your host, Anand Conte. I'm an entrepreneur, financial advisor, wife, and mother. I'm on a mission to help more women of color build generational wealth and change the dynamics of our society. If you're all about shaking up the status quo, leaving generational curses behind, and you love a dose of real talk, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Oh my God, so crazy. All right. So uh, everybody, welcome to the First Gen Realness podcast. This is Anandjai Conte bringing you an exciting episode once again. So I, y'all are in for such a treat today. Um, we have the amazing Karina F. Daves here with us, and we're going to be talking about motherhood and really balancing your dreams and your aspirations with motherhood, right? Yes. Um, so Karina is a life coach and podcast host of the One Day at a Time podcast. She is committed to helping moms get their lives back by unpacking their limiting beliefs, discovering their boundaries, and shedding light on their blind spots. As someone who lost herself along the journey of motherhood, she is committed to bounce moms back on their journey towards their purpose, which like, I feel like so many of us lose ourselves on the journey to motherhood at one point or another, right? Um, And so, and motherhood is one of my favorite topics. So I just feel like this is going to be so exciting. We could talk about it forever. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Edmana. I'm so happy to be here with you. So cool. Okay. So just to start off, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Like where you're from, where'd you grow up? All of that. Yeah, sure. So you guys know my name, Karina Daves. I am originally from Peru. Um, Callao, Chimpun Callao, to anybody who knows that reference. And we came here in the 90s. Um, I I always think about that story because it wasn't until I was pregnant that I actually found out that the way we sort of came to the United States was sort of on a gamble. So my grandmother had this great idea that she wanted to come to the U.S. and she would do anything possible to get here. And I have one of those grandmothers who I truly adore, but is really like, she's one of those people that believes her own lies. And so she coerced my parents into getting together because she knew that my dad's father, my grandfather was already established here in the US. Once my dad got here though, my mom just, you know, I don't think that they were actually in love in love and they were just doing what everybody thought that they needed necessary to do to build the American dream, even though there really wasn't that love that, you know, marriage really requires. And so my mom went and did her own thing. My dad found out and my mom needed to make a decision whether or not she accepted my dad's divorce papers that he sent her all the way to Peru. Um, my grandmother ended up shipping my mom all the way to Florida. My mom calls my dad and is like, Hey, I'm in Florida. We have to fix this. My dad ships my mom from Florida all the way to New Jersey. And they end up starting again, their relationship, but really on just like toxic habits. And like, neither one of them grew up in established, you know, just like good homes. My dad grew up in an orphanage. Um, he has five brothers and sisters. And so, you know, we had a rocky start, but I knew that the world and God just had a purpose for all of that. And so I grew up in Jersey with my parents who eventually did get divorced, um, in the nineties. And, um, I grew up in a really strict household, just, you know, wanting to do amazing things like go to homeless shelters and do normal things like go to the park and play with other people. And my family was the type of family that was like, you just stay here. (laughs) 
You don't, yeah. you don't go anywhere. Oh that was their gosh. form of protecting us, right? It's like just yeah. keeping us in this box. And so yeah. when I went to college, I freaked out and I just partied and I felt like I was finally myself and I just didn't pay mm-hmm. any attention to the scholarship or grant money that I got in to learn. And I learned my lesson from that point on, but I realized that my mission at that point was to be very different, not very different because I know my parents were trying to survive, but just there was a lot of generational things that I knew I needed to break, but I couldn't do any of that if I didn't create or figure out who I was first, apart from at that moment, Karina Martinez, which was somebody that followed the rules, that was on this path to becoming a lawyer, which I give it up to anybody, doctors and lawyers. I I love it, but it wasn't for me. It was something that was pushed on me. So that's my mission is to like get people back to the most authentic raw part of who you are rather than who the world and your parent tells you to be. That is so beautiful. And so much of that resonates with me. Um, and, you know, I grew up similar immigrant parents, like super strict. I wasn't allowed anywhere. And I'm not necessarily that way, but I just was laughing to myself because my daughter, my seven-year-old the other day, our neighbor came and rang the bell and um, was like, hey, can can you come over my house and play? And she's like, no, my mom said, and this is verbatim, like translating in Spanish, but she said in English, she was like, my mom said, I can't be inside other people's houses all day long. <laughs> Oh my God. Like, no puede estar metida en casa ajena, right? Yeah, like, yeah, verbatim yeah. what yeah. my mom used to say to me. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even go over my cousin's house. Like, yeah, my yeah. my parents were just so strict. Like, remember, they just watched a lot of TV. Yeah, yeah, I know. I Similar. Um, I, I think it's also just so impactful because so often we know that we want different, even at such a young age, right? Like I remember distinctly on many levels, I grew up in a very dysfunctional matrimonial dynamic between my parents, right? And so I was like, oh no, this ain't it. You know, like this this is not what I want, even at a very young age. And I was like, these two people also don't belong together because they don't, Mm. they're not at all alike. And like, they don't get along very well or they don't seem Mm. to like each other very well. And um it's, it's very apparent. And I love that you were able to follow through with knowing that you wanted something different because a lot of times we just, if we're not intentional about that, we just fall into those same patterns Yeah. Uh, without like, without even meaning it, sink it in. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And, and it's something that I have to actually keep reminding me, reminding myself daily, especially when like, I don't, I don't, my, my household, everybody yelled, all the time. And so now I'm trying to, I always, I'm like, I'm never going to yell when I'm a mom. <laughs> oh my God. Now how I'm, soon, wait, how long did that last? No, right? <laughs> Even if you're the most Zen chill mom, like sometimes you have to yell, like don't jump on me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so what I did learn was that my parents and I love them so much, but they never apologized. And so even if I yell and it's, and if if I yell and it has nothing to do with being your life in danger, I usually pull my kids aside and I apologize because it's just so important that they, I realize now I I just don't want them to grow up thinking that 
anybody can treat them a certain way. Cause here I am mm-hmm. like yelling all the time and then they mm-hmm. grow up and then somebody says something to them in school when they're like 11 and they're like, well, you yell at me or you talk mm-hmm. to me a certain way. So yeah. I'm growing up thinking that everybody else can. And then I'm like yeah. tricking them into saying, no, 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 only I can treat you this yeah. way. And then I'm just like, wait, like this is so confusing. There's so many rules yeah. to this. Yeah. So, you know, our kids have like memories, like an elephant. So, mm-hmm. you know, they'll say like, mom, you said 12 days ago, my kid literally said this morning, mom, mm-hmm. do you recall, this is how my six-year-old talks to me. Mm-hmm. Do you recall that six, 12 days ago, you stated that I could have, um, your protein shake. <laughs> oh my like, God. He's committed to that protein shake. No, they don't even taste that good. Like, what are you talking about? And I was like, um, no, I don't recall, but you can have a sip, but I don't want you to have the whole thing. And he said, okay. Like he's just the commitment. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're just so mindful of like the way cycles are repeated. Right. And so once you start doing that work, you start seeing even how, even if you're being intentional, you know, either through therapy or with a life coach, right you start to see how you're repeating things, even like without really realizing it. And it might not even be to the extreme level, right? Of what you experience. But at the same time, you're like, okay, there are some dynamics that have been repeated here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. So what experiences led you to becoming a life coach for moms specifically? Like what what motivated you to, to find that niche? Okay. So I'm going to tell you the whole story. I'm going to take you through this journey. So I was a checklist human where I didn't realize I was. I was checking things off a list. I got my college degree, was the first person in my family to graduate, got my master's, found a sexy guy, married him, had his baby, was in an apartment, saving for a house, was going on vacations, had the career, check, check, check. What I didn't realize is that I was surrounded by toxic people, had toxic relationships, toxic habits, wasn't really doing anything purposeful with my life, but checking things off of a list that I actually didn't create myself. But I had tricked myself into thinking that this is what I wanted. And while I do love my family and my career and my husband, I always was thinking about how purposeful I was in those things and how much those were me. Because if I had to take a step back, I recall telling my mother, I would love to be a designer. I would love to host a radio show. I would love to do all these things, but they didn't fit in her box. And so then I had to reroute my career to sort of please her and me at the same time. When I, when we were in our third year of our marriage, um, we started marriage counseling. My son was like four months old on the floor. And I remember it just being really taboo. Like, why would you go there? And I remember somebody saying to us, or even watching a documentary that most people start marriage counseling when things get bad and you should start marriage counseling before things get bad. (laughs) And that's that's, so real. Yeah, that is, that was such raw, real advice. And at some point in our marriage counseling after a year, the counselor said, listen, um, you, you guys actually don't have a problem with each other. You still are hung up on your parents' divorce from when you were 10 and you have daddy issues to my husband, Terrence, and we need separate sessions. And I was like, whoa, okay. After that, we thought we were on this high of like, you know what, like, this is amazing. We started really pressing into our faith. 
And then I got sick. I went to, not got sick. I broke my foot. I went to a party. I broke my foot dancing to a Meek Mill song, <laughs> rapping to like oh four God. o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Next day I go to the hospital. The surgeon comes in and is like, you need surgery. And I'm like, what? It was my 30th birthday. And I was like, okay. So I ended up getting the surgery and I spent eight weeks at home recovering. During those eight weeks, it was silent. And for the first time, I was actually in my thoughts. I was thinking about all of the people around me, all of the things around me. I was thinking about how toxic my work um, behavior had been, where I just became the person that attributed you know, rest to laziness. I became the person that said, if I don't check my email every 30 minutes, I'm a horrible employee. I became the person that said, even though I'm the only woman of color at this job, I have a, they, they deserve my loyalty and anything that it takes, right? Even while I'm recovering from this broken foot, like anything that it takes. Well, shortly after that, I lost 80% of my hearing. Um, then my son almost died um, during a very routine ear um, tube surgery. Then my son, then my husband got Lyme disease. Then our cars were totaled three times in front of our home. Um, and then I ended up with a persistent infection in my body, which caused me to live with a drain in it for two years, five surgeries later through all of that, I realized how much these materialistic things that I wanted to build. And even some of them involving people like building my family, building um, my career had nothing to do with what I was passionate about and what I wanted to do. And essentially I had lost myself because I had no foundation. I had no cornerstone to run to. And I spent the next two years during that time pruning from everybody. Like I got off social media. I didn't see people and I was just in a cave. And while in that cave, I realized I had lost myself. I had lost my joy. I had lost who I really wanted to be. I had spent Okay. And I had spent years and time and all nighters studying and preaching about my independence and feminism and la mujer pa delante. And here I am losing the person that I fought so much for. And I was just like, this is wrong. This is wrong. So that was a period in my life where my husband, who grew up, in an environment where he had to protect himself all the time. And I was this like giddy, happy person was very much always telling me to tone it down. And I remember I woke up that day and I was like, Hey, I love you, but you're never going to, um, challenge my joy again. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, don't ever tell me to tone it down. Don't ever tell me not to be as happy as I am. And don't ever tell me to not be giddy. This is who I am. And if you don't like it, then we need to go back to therapy. (laughs) And my husband was like, shoot, where did that come from? And I was like, I realized that I'm trying to be what everybody wants me to be. And I'm not doing that anymore. And I love your parents. But if I don't feel like people should be coming over, nobody's coming over to this house that we are paying for. And it was like those initial conversations where my husband was like, oh, okay. I like, I like this. This is you who I met in the beginning. And that was really the start and the passion for me wanting to become a life coach. I said, I want to help more women who I know have lost themselves in motherhood, in their marriage, in their careers, 
bring them back, resurrect them back to the surface and realize that they can do much more than be a mom. I'm more than a mom. I know I am. And I know other women are too. Okay. So I really have chills and I, that resonated (laughs) with me so much because I, you know, I think I'm, I'm somebody that's pretty intentional about what I do. Right. Um, and I'm very clear on what I want. Right. But I think, you know, we all have those like people pleasing tendencies, some of us more than others. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also had a moment where I woke up and I was like, what is this life? Like, wow. this is horrible. I am miserable. Right. And I think, you know, I shared with you another time that it was, I went on a yoga retreat with my two best friends and I was like crying all day, every day, pretty much. Like if I wasn't like, um, you know, hanging out and having dinner with them. I was sitting on the porch at this yoga retreat crying. Right. And, um, after that, I was like, I need to, I need to change because once again, like I've been so focused on some of these other things, like that career, that driven mentality, that hustle mentality resonated with me. Cause I, I, I was very similar. And I think, you know, it's still something I'm working on. Um, me too. To be better about resting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but not losing yourself and losing what you actually have wanted because you're so busy looking for that other thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so damaging your marriage or, or, you know, just not showing up as a mother, um, as a mother, the way you want to, or not showing up for yourself, how you want to, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's so huge. And I think so many more women are suffering through that than they realize. Yeah. And can I just also talk about really quick, Yesterday, I had like really deep thoughts about marriage. And okay, my husband's never going to listen to this, but I'm not saying anything <laughs> bad. My husband doesn't like anything I do. Like, I mean, like actually press like. He doesn't listen to my podcast or like anything uh-huh. I do. And I could care less, but he supports yeah. me in the way I need him to. But anyways, yeah. yesterday I had these deep thoughts about marriage, which were, they were along the lines of like, and do I actually like my husband? Like I, like these, this is serious stuff, you guys, that we have to ask ourselves because we're more than a mom. Like these kids are going to grow up and leave one day. And I'm already thinking if I actually like this guy (laughs) and I was saying to myself, like, okay, yeah, I like this guy. Do I like alone time with this guy? Yeah, I love alone time. Do I like talking and watching this guy? Yeah. Does he annoy me? Of course but can I live with this guy alone again? Because we lived alone before the kids, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes. And can you live with the newer versions that are coming about? Because, you know, like I, my husband says, I've been married to like 50 different versions of you. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, yeah. And I think we have to start asking ourselves, like, do you like your partner? Yes. That's deep. That's deep, girl. And it's funny because I'm actually celebrating 10 years of marriage next week. Right. Um, And I mean, people talk about this all the time, but like it's not rainbows and sunshine and daisies all day long. And sometimes I look at him. I'm like, I actually really do not enjoy you as a person. Right. Like I don't right now with you leaving your pants on the on the um, on the couch or like your socks are here or you left this coffee cup since God knows when. Right. Like I I don't like you right now. But do I enjoy you? And like, also, I think um, removing some of the other stressors that I think just come with motherhood, right? Like on some level, you have little people climbing all over you, you know, or you're sleep deprived because the baby's waking up, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
is that still somebody that you want? Right. Yeah. Cause, Cause I think it's inertia keeps so many people not living the life they want, Yo, right? whether that preach. be professionally marriage, whatever, like you, you live in the same town you've always lived in. Do you actually like it there? Probably mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you duck every time you see that person at the grocery store, but yet you still <laughs> insist that this is where you live. And that's the grocery store you go to. Like, why are you right. doing that? Right. <laughs> right. And I, I think for me, like, one of the things that I love about my husband is two things. One, he's unpredictable. And two, he's down for whatever. Like, I don't think I could be with somebody. Just my personality can't be with somebody that is, um, I forgot the word, but it's somebody that just like is a creature of habit, like just yeah. wants to do the same thing over and over. And yeah. that's great. Yeah. That, that's amazing for those people. But I need to be with somebody that like is a little wild and- yeah is that like, I literally could call my husband right now, mm-hmm. tell him to leave work and let's go to the beach for the day. And he'd be like, yeah, all right, we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I need that. My, I love that so much. And that's why you've been able to be 50 different people and however <laughs> long you've been together and, you're, <laughs> and it still works. Right. But honestly, my husband calls that a willingness to say yes. Right. Wow. And, um, and he's always like, you have to be willing to say yes. And I struggled with that for a while because I was like, well, my plan was and I'm not Ooh. even a super regimented person, but I was like, my plan was at this time I was going to be cooking dinner and you mm-hmm. want me to sit on the couch <laughs> with you and like watch Netflix. Right. Um, and so part of my brain is like, oh, it would be nice to sit and hang out with him. But then the other part is like, but the food but the food, but it, at the end of the day, it's like, you know what? I can order some pizza. And he's taught me how to wow. be more like, like last week I had a day. So last week we were supposed to record this episode last week, uh-huh. technical issues. Thank you very yes. much. Comcast. Like you're a hot mess. <laughs> and then <laughs> I like blew off the rest of the day. Literally. I was like, I'm not doing it. And I was like this, I never would have done this before wow. <laughs> ever in my life, but I've done that. I love um, that. And this yeah, is all a part of motherhood. Food. This is all Mm -hmm. a part of motherhood. Like this is all of it. I love it. Yeah, I love it. So how has your relationship to motherhood changed over the years? Like how, how did it start for you and how do you feel about it now? The second baby changes everything. Oh yeah. The first baby should just be called obsessed. Like it's an obsession. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the second baby, I can never find him. (laughs) (laughs) and I don't know what he's doing like yeah it's so interesting to me how motherhood has just shifted I think when growing up with my mom and I love her so much you know I realize now that our families were just surviving I get that and so when I think back to how she raised us it wasn't bad she was trying her best with what she knew and what she knew was that she had a mother that partied a lot and left her alone a lot. And Mm -hmm. so she knew that she wanted to do the opposite, which was be with her kids all the time. Mm -hmm. Then when she decided that, she didn't realize that she had to come up with stuff to do with them. So then (laughs) what we ended up doing was just like cleaning and like just being home all the time, like Mm -hmm. not really doing anything I don't know, like just not talking about our feelings. Like it just wasn't like that. And I, my mom knew that she was checking things off. Like I have to get Mm -hmm. this girl to college. I have to get her to know how to cook and clean and iron. Like she had these very specific things that she wanted me Mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. And 
when I think back to that and how I how I think about motherhood now with my first, I was very obsessed with like making it perfect and like wanting to make sure that I had certain bottles and things. And mm-hmm. I realized that I just had to take at some moment what worked for me and not listen to anybody, which is why like yeah. people don't understand how deep the mom shame world is like it's it's really horrible which is why I I posted about like I had asked a mom if she could hold my baby uh while I went to the bathroom and she didn't agree with formulas and she said I don't do bottle fed babies and I was like dang like I just have to go pee and I mean like I'm not asking you to stay here for an hour I'm (laughs) asking you to hold him and also it's not a mutant baby it's a formula (laughs) like what are you talking about but that's how wild I know and that's how deep the shame is and so when I think about your question I realized that with motherhood the things that I realized were big deals were really not a big deal and motherhood when I think about motherhood I think we easily forget about the first word of it which is me, I'm the mother Mm -hmm. and I'm Mm -hmm. first and I'm really important. And then the hood part, I think about how important community is and like Mm -hmm. building your your tribe. Like that's how I see motherhood. I, I really imagine that every single year is so different with these kids. And I realized that the only re the only way that I can be the best parent to them is like, if I'm good, So you best believe like, and I know the schools look at me funny, but like I drop off TJ probably five minutes before school starts almost every day. (laughs) And it's because I'm taking my time to get ready. Like, I'm sorry, but like, I know myself and I just, I just want to, I want to pick something nice to wear now. And even though I, I step out maybe in some flip-flops, like, but I still just want to look good and I want to go find my hoops and I want to whatever, and I'll get the kid there. But like, I just, I realized in my journey in motherhood is that I come first. That's really what I've learned. That is so beautiful. And I think it's something that we really overlook, right? And and even like your community, they focus so much on the baby, right? That they're not really like, oh, how are you? And I think especially like in um, the US, right? Where you don't necessarily have like a strong communal system, right? Like where you have a lot of extended family that live with you and are close to you. And it's really a shock. Like that's how I grew up. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something that I was working through, even in terms of my own adjustment to motherhood with my therapist, right? Because I had a really rough adjustment. And I think Mm -hmm. it was because I was so used to being so supported. Like when I was a child, literally I had four, five adults who were taking care of me, just me all the time, right? Me and like, sometimes my niece and nephew were there, but usually it was just me, right? And so like, and they didn't, I mean, they spoiled me. They totally spoiled me, let's be real. But (laughs) they also, I was very grounded, but like I I saw that my mom was able to be like, hey, I have to work today. And my grandma and my aunt and my uncle were like, sure, leave her here. Like, it's fine, you know? Um, And so when I didn't have that necessarily, because I wasn't in New York, that's where my parents and my, my aunt and uncle and my sister were, right? So I didn't necessarily have that. Mm. And it was really hard, right? And, um, you know, I got lost in it, plus all the mom shame and plus the, oh my God, it's supposed to be like this and Mm -hmm. trying to navigate what your life is like once you have this other human that's dependent on you is is really profoundly like, 
it's a life-changing experience on a whole nother level, like just the logistics and identity portion, yeah. you know? Yeah. I'm tired of people telling me what to do and how to do it. Oh, like, no. it's one I don't th- like people telling me nothing. I know you don't. Nothing. My, my husband was like, people can't tell you shit. And I was like, no, people can't tell me shit. I don't like being told shit. <laughs> I just, as a recovering people pleaser, I just remember over and over in my mind, like replaying how certain conversations should have gone, how I should have done this. Or if my mom asked me about this, am I going to lie? Like when I gave birth to Levi, I gave birth to him November 29th. My grandparents were over for December for Christmas. It had been a month. My grandmother, the first thing she says to me is, it's been a month and you still have your baby weight. This. Okay, stop it. Uh-huh. Stop it. And then <laughs> and then we put the baby to sleep and they it was the first time that they decided to come over for Christmas and it wasn't a party. And so I was like we can't have a party because the baby's sleeping. And my grandmother was like just grab two chairs and put the baby in the middle of two chairs. That's what we used to do. I'm like you would do that with like a 5-year-old, not a 1-month-old. Like I can't party with him. And my my parents just are like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, you literally are coming into my house telling me that I'm fat. I just gave birth a month ago. Like, I this is just bad. And the worst, honestly, sis, is when people, I'm going to tweet about this soon, but when people put like make believe that there's a ticking time bomb on my ovaries, like they're my, oh my ovary, God. they're my ovaries. Okay. And a ticking time bomb on like me getting married. I'm sorry, but like whoever I decide to get married to, like I have to sleep with them, not you. So there's no expiration date here. So, so true. That's so, so true. And I think, you know, it's, it's really hard to make those like self-honoring decisions mm-hmm. and like break those generational curses and like oh those gosh. really um, like dysfunctional things that you grew up seeing or like that are even still being pushed on you mm-hmm. and like to still choose yourself. Um, what's your advice for somebody that wants to do that? Cause I, I think it's a daily practice personally, right? Yeah. Like it's constant. No, I'm not going to do that. Right. It's yeah. all about boundaries, but like, I'm yeah. not going to do that. I am not going to like kill myself. I'm going to take the time to look good or I'm going to take mm-hmm. the time to work out. Right. Like mm-hmm. that can, for whatever reason, I don't understand it, but for whatever reason, that can be really hard and contentious yeah. mostly yeah. Um, with people that don't agree with whatever the decision is that you're making. Yeah. So my piece of advice are a couple of things. One, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I'm what I mean by that is everybody is going to challenge your perspective because now you've realized that your voice has weight. So now you're actually going to say what's on your mind. Now you're actually going to set the boundaries. And while you do this, you're going to have resistance. So you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and having that resistance. Two, you have to stop worrying about wanting to please everybody. Usually wanting to please everybody comes from wanting that affirmation or confirmation from these people that no longer pay your mortgage or pay your bills, right? Like we become really childlike around these older people that are still holding on to toxic generational habits that no longer serve you. So you have to be able to take 
from what you grew up with and your culture, right? And and take what serves you. Like for me, it's the love and the food and the faith that everything's going to be fine. Like I'm taking that with me. But the fact that I'm going to spend all day cooking, cleaning and folding and ironing like a sock, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I'm taking what is going to serve me and I'm moving on. And so for, for you, if you're listening, I want you to know that that bug inside of you is not going to stop knocking. It is going to bug the crap out of you until one day, two things will either happen. You're either going to blow up. So the buildup to the blow up or two, the buildup to the burnout. So you have to make your call and a decision to say, am I going to burn out, blow up, or am I just going to stop right here and actually be bold? Be bold. Choose being bold. I love that so much. Um, my life coach once told me like, if there's a decision that you're struggling with, like not actually taking action towards, she's always like, why don't you just take a pen to paper and say, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like, let's say I make this choice, right? Let's say I decide to form a feed my baby, right? What's the worst thing that's going to happen, right? Or let's say I decide I, I don't want to be an engineer and I want to be a ballerina. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know where that came from, but, um, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, ever since like a few years ago, when I really did a 180 turn personally, I always asked myself, like, what am I going to regret not doing? right? Mm. Like, what am I going to be an old lady and say, I should have done that. I should have tried that. Like, why didn't I do that? I don't want to get to that point in my life when I can't do it anymore. Mm. Or that person is gone and I didn't talk to them or I didn't mend things like whatever it is. I don't want to be left with that. And Mm. I invite anybody who's listening, right. To say, what's something that like, you really can't you won't be satisfied with the trajectory of your life if you don't do like for me, I always wanted to be a mom. Right. And I always wanted to be like the type of mom that I wanted to be. Right. I didn't necessarily want to follow my mom's model or like other women in my family. And so, you know, I could out of just muscle memory and inertia Mm -hmm. do the same thing, the shouting, the Mm -hmm. being crazy, throwing stuff. I love you, mommy. (laughs) (laughs) But like, like, that's just like, on some level, it's like a cultural thing also, Mm -hmm. like the shouting, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I I, I made the decision that I did not want to do that. And Mm -hmm. so, and I didn't want that energy in my house. And so I had to say, okay, I have to make the steps as uncomfortable it is. And I have to look at myself as uncomfortable it is and like do the work in order to break some of those habits or make those follow through with those decisions that I made. Yeah. And I hate, I, I know how much people hate when we use this word. Cause I see, I, I've seen it before and it's happened to me, but some of it is also tied to trauma. And oh, yeah. I, I know oh, yeah. that we don't like to use that word because it means that some heavy ish went down, but I'm going to yeah. give you an example of something that is, tr- that is trauma for my husband. So mm-hmm. when we lived in a 700 foot or six, 700 foot a square apartment, the condition to live there was that we couldn't make noise. <laughs> like literally it was like the cheapest rent possible, $900. Okay. For a two mm-hmm. bedroom in North Jersey, you're not going to get that That's anywhere crazy. else. Yeah, I know. I know. And so we couldn't make noise. We couldn't really be loud, especially on the weekends. And I'm like, so we did that for almost six years. 
So when we came to this house, yeah, six years of that with a baby, (laughs) which is why people were like, don't sleep train your baby. And I'm like, I need to sleep train my baby because I I can't make noise. So I was like a ninja. And when we moved from that to a 3000 foot square house, yo, I was running. I was stomping. (laughs) I was like my true self. My husband grew up in a very big house as well. And he grew up with silence. So in his family, five kids, you really couldn't be loud. Like you couldn't make any noise. So now when the kids are like loud, I'm talking about like, even in the backyard, my husband's like, Hey. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) I had a conversation with him a couple weeks ago. I was like, let's talk about why you feel that way. Let's talk about if there's trauma there. And he's looking at me and I'm like, really, what is, why can't the kids be loud in their own house? And he was like, because we couldn't be loud in our house. And I said, why? Mm -hmm. And it's because he's like, because I attribute loudness to misbehaving. Mm. And I said, okay, that's not always true. Sometimes the kid is just playing with his cars or playing with something. You understand? I said, and I'm not going to pay this big mortgage for you to not allow our kids to enjoy every square foot of it. Yeah. Because that makes sense. So on Sunday, no, Monday, we were in the backyard and literally right in the backyard. And my kids were like, oh, oh my God, the whatever, the balloons. And my husband comes out from his garage and he goes, ah. and he looks at me, he goes, trauma. <laughs> <laughs> he turns around and goes, trauma, trauma. Okay. That was trauma. And he goes oh back God. in and he doesn't yell. And oh I'm just God, like, that's, so funny. that's intentional parenting. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, yeah. we define things like for him, he defined being loud with misbehaving. Yeah. And I'm like, Papa, you don't know Latinos. Like we're loud everywhere. We are always loud, always loud. So you got to be okay with it. Like I, and he's like, no, 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 I get it. I get it. It's just trauma. It's trauma. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's so deep, right? Cause that seems like something little, but it's affecting his mental health and yes. like um, peace in his own home also. And then also affecting his, his relationship with his kids, you know? Yes. And if he doesn't, and men, especially men of color, it's so difficult for them to unpack these things. Right. Girl. Like I never imagined my husband at 35 saying this is trauma as a black yeah. man, six foot one, never when we got married, I, I ever imagined him saying to me, yeah. this is trauma. And for him to recognize that I'm like, there are things for me, even that are traumatic. Like when my kids lie, I, it hurts me so deep because I was raised in a house where they lied a lot. And Mm -hmm. so when my kid tells the smallest lie, I have to check myself that I'm not flipping out because it's related to trauma. It's, I mean, it's so important to unpack that. It really is. Um, And I think, you know, our, our parents and our grandparents or elders didn't necessarily have access to the information or the services that they needed in order to be able to do better. Right. So like for me, I am a hundred percent no shade on anybody that, you know, cause if you have access to those things, you do better. Right. But if you don't, and we do have access to that, which is why, like, we have an obligation and there's so much more information out there. We have an obligation to just try our best to like make those steps and like make those improvements and, and really live in a way that aligns with our overall vision, you know, for our life and, and really honors like how we want to show up 
Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. This was so good. Oh, I know it was. Okay. So I have three closing questions. Okay. Um, what does freedom mean to you? Uh, freedom for me is when my voice is amplified so that I can propel not just myself, but the people that I'm serving. Freedom is the ability to use my voice to serve. I love that. Um, and what does wealth mean to you? Wealth is beyond money to me. Wealth is somebody that has been an amazing, sober-minded steward of the gifts that the world has given them the privilege to be in charge of, whether that is wealth of your finances, wealth of your health, wealth of your relationship. To have wealth means that you have become a good steward of those gifts. Yeah. That's beautiful. And like really being able to keep them, right? Because um, sometimes we're blessed with these beautiful families and then, you know, somebody goes off and they're like, no, I ain't doing it. Um, that's interesting. I love that, that definition. All right. And then, so last one, what's one thing you think people should know about being the first to do something like in their family or the community, like really redefining themselves or, or doing things differently? Uh, you're not in a rush. <laughs> That's it. It's that simple. You're not in a oh rush. God. You're not in a rush. Do it on your time and your terms and make sure that you're doing it for you and not for everybody else. If you're the first, that's amazing. But the first at what? Something that Theo and Thea want or the first at something that you really want? I love that. That's so beautiful. Okay, Karina, where can people find you? Last, last Yeah, spot. this is amazing. So listen, if you're looking for a life coach, whether or not you're a mom, I love helping women just resurrect the size of themselves that were lost during all of these responsibilities, whether it's your career, whether it's your family, whether it's your new relationship, whatever it is, you can go to my website, KarinaFDaves.com, or you can follow me at all my handles on Instagram and TikTok, which are also KarinaFDaves. And check me out, apply for us to work together, subscribe to my podcast one day at a time, leave a message or a note, share it with your all, all of your amigos. I really want to meet you and just help you be the most authentic, raw version of yourself. Oh my God, Karina. I love that so much. Thank you so much. Oh, this thank has been you. a pleasure. This is amazing. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the First Gen Realness Podcast. I hope you've left this feeling inspired, motivated, and with some lessons you can take and bring into your own life. Let's shake some shit up.